Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. In business, it's always critical to know where your resources are, to know how to find the right people who do what you need in a fast, cost-efficient way. It's also important to to use other people's resources, other people's knowledge, other people for your own benefit. It's really easy as entrepreneurs to do everything on your own, get going, don't ask for advice, and, and sort of shy away from it. Today, we're gonna talk a lot about that on the Entrepreneur's MBA Podcast. I am your host, Adam Kipnis. I appreciate you as always being here listening to the show. We are brought to you on C-Suite Radio and sponsored in part by Wine Ambassador. Wine Ambassador is the fastest growing wine company uh, wine club in the country. So if you like wine and want it delivered to you with small batch varietals that, that are specifically chosen, go to wineadam.com. Uh, pretty cool uh, way to get wine delivered to you with taking a lot of the cost and the thinking out of it. Today, my guest is a, a serial entrepreneur. He's got a great business in the software consultancy space. He really helps his clients in a variety of ways, not only through the benefit of the knowledge that his team brings, what they can do for a better price than they could do in-house, but also there's some, uh, some international tax laws that are uh, uh, interesting in his business that he helps companies with. Alex Eisman, thanks for joining today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Adam. Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Um, in interested in, in everything that you have to say today, but I, I always like to start with understanding a little bit about your personal entrepreneurial journey. You know, was this... Was being an entrepreneur and having your own company something that you were, you were born with or, or is that something that was more of a learned behavior over time? It was definitely a learned behavior uh, over time and uh, it came, came clear to me at about age of 25. So, I mean, I, I had a late start. Uh, I w wanted to kind of open up my first business when I was 18, but I didn't really do anything. It was kind of uh, an idea because it would look cool at that time and I wanted to have a good car and whatnot. Uh, but then I forgot about it because I had no idea how to do that. Uh, but I kind of set a goal to myself to open it up when I'm 25. So when I turned 25, that's when I really started thinking about it because I kind of had that goal in, my, in the back of my mind. Um, and at the time things started to kind of come together. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I didn't have a, uh, a passion for business, I'd say. And over time, I'm a strong believer that every single person can learn how to be a businessman, whether a great or good or average, but every single person can learn how to do that. It's, it's, it's not something you have to born with. And, uh, that was, and I, I would fight anybody who would argue with me on this, um, because it's, I, I've, I've learned a specific set of skills you have to master or at least be good at um, to do a business or to do, to do a specific, um, uh, be an entrepreneur. So some, some people do it at an amazing level. Some people do it at the average level, but you still can be a, be a businessman. Um, and uh, everybody will have you know, mistakes and, and fails in their life and uh, a time, but uh, you can learn from them as long as you have the right set of mind. Um, didn't learn business, anything, you know, I was a sports guy. I, my first education was biochemistry and I was doing professional sports for as long as I remember. I've got my second degree in computer science and mathematics, um, later in the, in, in my career and, um, in the cybersecurity field and one of the best universities in Russia and Moscow state university and got a chance to move here for a job, uh, worked here for a few years, started my own business. 
um, and uh, really, really came out of uh, of a straight consultancy. I had no idea what it is, but I asked around how I can um, start doing remote projects because I needed I needed to travel at a time and situation was not a great. Um, I, I needed to keep paying my bills and um, keep working. I needed to travel. And I needed a flexible schedule for hockey because I would hate to go and ask for a day off uh, and, and just talk to my boss and say, hey, I need to take a day off tomorrow because I have a hockey game. It was a horrible feeling. I, like, <laughs> I still remember. And that's one of my, my, motivator, my, my motivators right now. Like when, when things get tough, it's like, hey, remember, you have to, have to ask for permissions to do something you really love and passionate about and a big part of your life. Um, so I... That kind of created a, a sense of uh, doing things on my own terms. And I, I, I'm, I'm an extremely hard worker. So I'm an extremely hard worker. It comes from being an athlete. Um, you know that no, 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 no pain, no gain um, kind of type mentality. Um, I've learned over the years and started doing business. And uh, you don't have to do things hard all the time. You have to do things smart. And that was one of the uh, one of the Revelation, revelations that I had uh, over the past uh, 10 years um, transitioning from being an athlete to being an entrepreneur and uh, really um, really started doing uh, remote work. I've got my first contract uh, within a couple of weeks of, of just sending out emails and asking for help. Actually, I asked for help for, for guys that were doing that at the time and I reached out and said, hey, how do you do that? Can you teach me how, how you do that? Um, they were happy, you know, they're gladly, I was a good guy, you know, I had a good, great relationship with them and they, they taught me how to do that. Uh, very basics. And I took it and, and, and started doing that on my own. Um, got my first client, started doing an amazing job. They came back, they came back for more. They came back and asked for more people. They said, can you do Android? Because I was doing iOS at the time. And I said, look, I, I, you know, I've never done Android, but I know a guy who can do it and I can ask him if he can work with me. And I, I was open about it and said, okay, I said, yes, let me give you an, an answer within a day. So I called a buddy of mine who was doing Android development and said, look, there is a project I'm managing and do you want to, you know, do you want to come in and help me? And he said, yeah, I'll be happy to. And that's, we were a team of two and then, and it grew to a team of five. We had a project manager. And at that time, uh, clients started to ask for better price because hiring people here in California and, and, and specifically in Silicon Valley is extremely not cost effective. In fact, I just had a buddy of mine got hired to uh, at Facebook, and he's based, like his salary compensation package is three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. So th there is absolutely no way to compete with those salaries, and 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 big companies here swipe the best talents off the street, um, like like this. It's it's impossible. Not an impossible. It's it's quite complicated. So clients are starting to ask for better pricing, better options. I and I started to think how I can help. And I, I gen, my, my whole, my whole business journey is about helping really. Cause I'm not, didn't, didn't came as a, as a businessman growing up and started to, had to learn that my way through errors and, and asking for help. And I really wanted to help my clients and I, I genuinely helping them going all in working days and nights to make sure they're successful. They're launching their apps on time. They're having great user experience. And uh, I started reaching out to other locations. I literally tested India, China. I've tested Mexico. I've tested Brazil, uh, Philippines, and a couple of other locations that I remember exactly. Vietnam, and there's another one that I, I've tested, did test projects, small test projects, invested my own money into them, failed at almost everything, 
Um, and then Argentina came on my radar at the end of, of, of this research project. And I, I, I had a successful run with Argentina with one engineer, and then I hired another one, uh, had a great success there, and just found that frequency with, with, with Argentinians. And I, 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 I analyzed how they work, and it was a great fit. It was, it was the same time zone with the United States. It was great, um, great opportunity, great people. There, majority of them are extroverts, so they like to communicate, and that's important when you're working with uh, remote teams like that. Um, and uh, they're very well educated and have very good level of English. It was a sweet spot for me. So I, I went there. I started offering that to my clients. They loved it, and um, I grew through referrals. Um, that that's my journey. Oh wow! And so you started. You're playing hockey, which was your 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 first love and the passion that <laughs> that you needed a job in order to fund. And then you had a job, and then you wanted to to go out on your own. One for the freedom, probably the flexibility. And were you doing all three at the same time? I mean, were you? Did you have a job when you got your first client, or did you quit your job before you got your client? Uh, so yeah, yeah, so I got fired. So ah. the story got the kid. The story gets better. So I got fired. Thank God, not for a performance reason. And when the boss was firing me, he was actually in tears. Um, he just said, "Look, I have to let you go because we don't have enough money to support the company." And the company was shrinking down. It was a consultancy company. They've lost a few major clients, and they've expanded to new offices. So they were not able to keep up with what they had. So they were letting guys out. Uh, one by one. And I knew it's coming because uh, three very good engineers, one left himself and two were high, uh, fired right before me. And I was hoping I could stay as, as usual. I didn't look for anything else. But I, you know, time came. It was Wednesday at 1 p.m. when I had my final check. Uh, and I didn't even like didn't have had a time to say goodbye to the whole team because he gathered him on a meeting to, to explain what's happening with the company. And I was let go. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm on the side, I remember it like yesterday, I was on the street with the final check for $1,000. It was 1100 something like that. And I had travel plans scheduled, which I was supposed to work remotely for. And I would pay all my bills while working remotely for a month. And now I'm, I'm out, of the, out on the street. I have no idea what to do. I have to travel and I still have to pay all my bills. And I didn't do hockey at that time because I quit hockey when I moved here to the United States. I was a professional hockey referee there. Um, I've got a job offer here, started, completely pivoted my life into software, you know, took a shot and uh, don't regret it a second. And uh, fast forwarding, uh, five years ago, I got hired as, uh, as a professional linesman here in the American Hockey League because they knew of my professional background and I was still doing hockey recreationally on the side when I had time, you know, I would take a day off or weekends, I would do junior hockey and whatnot. And I was a very good hockey official. I am a good hockey official. Um, so I got hired, but it's my professional hobby. I don't do it full time in terms of like, that's not my only job that I do. Yeah. Um, so I got fired on the streets. I had no idea what to do. It was like really uh, interesting moment. Honestly, I, I've never felt anything like that before and after actually. Um, so I started this, this, the, the next second I started to think, what should I do? And uh, I, the guy who was uh, let go before me uh, two months ago, he started consulting remotely and I was keeping in touch with him. And I said, look, man, can you tell me what do you do? Like, how do you, how do you do stuff? And he said, well, let's uh, get a coffee and I'll, um, I'll explain you how I do stuff. And he apparently uh, created a portfolio. He said, look, I, I have a great portfolio the same way you do because we've worked on a lot of different projects and with uh, very big brand names. So you've done a lot of great stuff, obviously. So he helped me to put my um, 
convert my resume into portfolio because which I had no idea how to do. I had no idea what consultancy is and uh, nothing, nothing of that sort. Nothing. I didn't know what 1099 is. Like really, he, <laughs> he told me like you will be working 1099, and I no, and I asked him what what is it. I had no idea what it was. So, um, he taught me what everything that I needed to do, and he taught me what he he'd done. So I've asked for help. That's the first kind of <laughs> obvious obvious solution that uh, happened there. Um, he pretty much told me go on Craigslist and start sending out your portfolio. Say that you're an amazing iOS engineer. Here's what you've done. If you need help, please reach out and hire me. He also suggested me uh, uh, an hourly rate that would work. And he said, I charge 150. You can start with 120, whatever, um, and uh, and see if you can get anything out of it. And uh, I did. Uh, two weeks, two and a half weeks. Uh, of constant emailing throughout the whole United States of every single Craigslist. And for those who use Craigslist, they know that you cannot just uh, post uh, post or, or, or go go through specific, like the whole country Craigslist right away. You have to actually open it country by country or uh, region by region. So I did this uh, and um, two and a half weeks emailing. I think I've sent out 200, over 200 emails. I've got two phone calls and a lot of them were my first clients, a client in Los Angeles. And, uh, I, I, I worked, I worked my bag off really. I, I worked so hard. I delivered amazing results. They were super happy because I was uh, ahead of the schedule, super high quality. I've suggested a lot of interesting, good things and, uh, they loved it. And they came back for more and said, look, we, now we have this. Can you work on this? I said, of course, absolutely. And then they came back for, for more, said, look, we need more people. And that's how I grew. That's how I started. And, and when, when you're reaching out to people, what, was it, what, do you say, all right, this is what I've been doing specific in, in, the, in the, the programming space. Did you just do exactly what you were doing at your prior job? Or did you pivot a little bit into something that you wanted to do? Like, was the app space right. what you were always in? Yeah, I was a mobile engineer. I was a mobile iOS developer building apps for iPhones and iPads. That's what I've been doing for um, uh, several years and I've excelled at it. And that's the only thing I knew how to do. So I, <laughs> I was looking for a remote job because I needed to travel and I needed to pay my bills. So I, I, you know, I've got a contract for three months, three months, I've got a um, contract for three months and I was able to travel. I was able to, you know, do things on my own terms, continue doing hockey. And I still had time and, and I was super productive. I've done amazing jobs for that company. And they obviously came back and started referring me over to other clients. That, that's awesome. And, and, and then when they came to you and they said, all right, we need you to do something else. And now you have to bring other people in. You've got to go find contractors. It's one thing to be an employee, right? You know what your job is. They tell you what to do and you go to work every day. It's another to be a contractor where, they give you a scope of work and you create your own hours, but you still know what your job is and you know what you need to do. But now you're programming and you've got to manage people and they're remote. How did you, for the, that first project, how did you balance all of those things and figure out how to do it, bringing in other people and different skills that you didn't necessarily have in your prior roles? Right. It's a great question. Um, I, it, it came to me naturally. Um, I, the only thing I knew is I wanted to work with smart and good people. And that was kind of the first filter I had for, for hiring and, and getting, getting, getting people to work with me. Um, because look, we have one life um, and we spend so much time working. I'd, I'd, I'd rather surround myself with people <clears throat> that I enjoy working with. 
And um, that's just finding good people, just genuinely good, good people is what helped me um, along the way and helping right now. Um, I, I reached out to a few guys and I, I've got one contact. We started to work together and I enjoyed it. And um, I, yeah, just my sense of, a sense of people, I guess, helped at that time. Um, but uh, look, being I'm, I'm look, I've managed teams before, so I, I know how to manage a team. What I didn't know anything about invoicing, <clears throat> anything about contracts, um, anything about um, account manager management and sales. I knew how to build stuff. I knew I knew how to manage stuff. I knew how to manage people. I, I I've managed teams before, um, so I, I and I've seen how project managers work. So I know their framework. And I did a little bit of project management, um, being an architect for the project. And um, all I needed is to pull a designer, make sure that they have tasks to execute. Same for engineers. It was it was natural to me. What wasn't natural is is keeping track of my clients, of, of all the hours, of combining it all together, sending invoices. So I had to learn a lot of that stuff. And that was quite hard. I bet. And when, when you... When you had your, uh, your the the contract from the, from the first company, your first client, and they wanted more, and now you've got you set up to five people on that project, and that expanded to more referrals. Was there a point when this consulting arrangement really became a company? Like, is there a point you can look back and say, "All right, now I'm the CEO of a company, and my duties are very different, and I need to think about next year in a different way than maybe I did before." Can you absolutely. talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So when I think when we were about eight people where I had that revelation that I'm not, I'm only doing coding for about 10%. And uh, it always, it always happens when you have your first big client. So I was, I was fortunate enough to have, to, to have work. And I worked with companies early in my career where I've learned how to build processes and I've realized how important to have the right process in place in the company. So slowly as, as I was working on projects with the guys, we were working on processes around everything, around how to build quali high quality software, around how to hire people. And we had just a wiki, wiki portal where we would write it down and how we, how we do onboarding, offboarding, all those sorts of things. So when I need to do a specific task, I just open a checklist, a to-do list or a process doc, and I follow one, two, three, four, five, and, and, and check that everything is done. And it, was, it, it helped me tremendously when I've got my first break, like big break. We had a, like a huge client who came in and requested for quite a few engineers and quite a few work. I mean, a lot of work. And if, if I didn't have the, those processes in place, I probably wouldn't be able to scale properly. And um, that really happened when I switched gears completely from writing code to just following those processes and making sure that operations now, I didn't have a, any, anybody who was doing operations. I was doing all the operations. So I, at that time, so I had to do a lot of operations and thank God I had processes because I don't remember how to hire people properly. Like I could do interviews, but there was no formal process, what to look for, the questions and stuff. So I had that. I've created that. And now I just needed to follow that process and it, it, it made my life easier. I had to work crazy hours, but it was knowing I knew the tasks I needed to. So it was nothing unknown for me. Um, and it, every company has their own first break when they have either first speaking engagement or first big client 
or a first a first big article that brings a lot of attention you have to be ready for that for that time and naturally through my work discipline and work ethics i had i've been ready like i've been waiting for waiting for that moment and i was ready for it that's fantastic you're listening to the entrepreneurs mba podcast with adam kipnis we're talking with alex eisman about his journey and how he created his business so you started your business genium and you've worked with well over a hundred engineers and and probably thousands of projects in the 10 years that you've been in business. And you said earlier that anyone can, can learn business. You don't have to be born an entrepreneur to learn business. You're obviously, you're educated in a number of things in your field. Did you turn your eyes and your education toward business at any point? Obviously you, you were making processes which helped you in your company. So you knew what to do, but did you become a student of business at any point to help build the company where it is today? Absolutely. At a certain point, I've realized that I needed, I needed more knowledge. And uh, I, I, I understood that I didn't have a formal business degree that, uh, um, that I can use. So I started to look at curriculums and see what they teach in business schools and, uh, and see what I know and what are the gaps. And uh, basically, I, at that time, I knew quite, quite a lot of stuff. So I needed to, I remember I needed to, um, study a little bit of negotiation. So I, I, I put that on the list. So I've identified a list of books and materials that I need to self-study to be better at negotiations. Um, things, small things like that. Net, networking as well was a big thing for me to learn uh, how do you do proper networking and, and, and things of that nature. Um, and uh, I just started self -ed to self-educate myself. Because I, I didn't have, to, I had to run a business, I had to work and I had all other activities. So I didn't have time to go and get a formal degree. So I've, I've learned that by doing, and I, I made numerous, numerous mistakes and just learned from him. And uh, they were some, some of them were very painful and expensive. And uh, the more painful and expensive mistake is, uh, you know, faster you learn. <laughs> and any one of those painful, expensive mistakes jump out at you that looking back, uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's, uh, there, absolutely. There is one big one that I made uh, where it really came from trying to help a client all the way in. So um, it's, it's, it's a relatively big startup and they had very good funding and they were working with us for a year and a half at that time. And uh, they were expanding and everything was, was great. And then they started to be late on their invoices. And for me, it didn't really um, matter because I knew they had some funding and they're quite a big company. There were over 100 people working and uh, everything was great. Uh, and they were happy with the work and they, you know, they were asking for more and more. And all of a sudden, invoices started to be late, like, you know, a month late, month and a half. And those are sizable invoices. And those invoices are for most, most of them are in outsourcing business. They're for your employees' salaries. So they there is not a huge margin and you really have to like you have responsibility of of uh you know th those guys that work for you because they have their families right and you have to take care of them and i was taking care of them burning burning all the cash i had to pay their salaries and kind of getting deeper in debt and i've got some credits to cover it and it was a very large contract for us uh at that time and um all of a sudden they just stopped paying and it turned out that a uh, couple of uh investment rounds didn't, didn't, you know, come through and uh, they ran out of money. And I was about four months in without like, and I think down at around $300,000 or something, or maybe it was $200,000 around something. So, and that was like a huge number for me at that time. 
and uh, I they didn't they didn't pay and they they were happy with everything we did just they just didn't have the money and that taught me a huge lesson of being care like be careful because not only it really damaged the company I had to let go a few guys and uh, it was it was a very uh, a very uh, dark moment in my life and I've I and look and I've hired those people as I invite people into my house so I uh, I found very good people and I was genuine and I'm genuinely care about them as well as I care about my clients right. um, and when you have to let people go and, and tell them that look I don't have the money to pay you just because what's what happened uh, gladly um, because of my relationship with companies here in Silicon Valley I was able to call a few of my friends and 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 say hey I've got amazing engineers and they're looking for a job here's the situation I you know I that's what happened to me and I have to let them go do you have any spots that you're hiring? I'm happy to just give this person to you and you take him in. And if he passes your interviews, um, please, you know, take him in. He's an awesome guy. And I've employed almost everybody who I had to let go myself. So I called out, called around and uh, made, made sure that they get a job very soon. So they don't have a, a big gap without pay. And, um, uh, but yeah, it was a important lesson for me not to, uh, not to, wait for payments for long so now we only work in advanced payments so we we invoice right right away and uh, make sure that we, we we have that cash and the company is able to support their teams because we're basically hiring teams for them and it's 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 a payroll uh, type of situation where they have to make payroll at a certain day for the employees to get the money at the end of the month um, and especially for team extensions um, that's the case so i've adjust, i've adjusted now i only attract clients that are willing to work in this way. And if you're, they're not willing to work in this way, it's probably not a good fit for us. And so you're able to adjust your, the way you do business because of that, rather than taking money on the back end or, or waiting for payment, you, you change your entire processes. And you said that you only attract clients that, that will pay you in that way. It's interesting because that was sort of where I was going with, with my next question is when you first started, you, you were emailing on Craigslist. You were pretty much taking the shotgun approach to, let's see who, who will say yes to this. Now that you've been in business for 10 years and had lots of clients, that ideal client ha has appeared, right? They have to work with you in a certain way. Is there a certain industry, a certain type? Are there certain factors that are now obvious to you when you talk to someone, whether they're the right client or not for you? Uh, we've identified our so-called wow client or our ideal client that we're able to help 100% and who is super happy with the work we do. Majority of those companies are hardware companies or have a hardware component and they're expanding into software uh, industry or building uh, mobile apps or they either didn't have one or they, they had a, not a good one um, and they need to expand the mobile market. Um, and we've been great helping those companies to grow on the mobile and on the back end side as well. Um, we do some computer vision stuff. So we have computer vision engineers and machine learning engineers working for um, companies um, here in the Silicon Valley. And uh, there is a specific profile we came up with. Uh, but most importantly, we now we have ability to interview our clients and decide whether we want to work with them or not. So we have the privilege of, of, of selecting people that we, are, we want to help. It's like inviting a guest into your house. We really genuinely care about the quality uh, just in t in internally in the company. And we have all the processes are built around high quality. 
and it really comes from cybersecurity world because if you compromise on quality, it's gonna it's gonna create more problems down the road with data breaches and and things like that, and it, it all piles up with insurances and stuff. So we have those processes around quality, and now we're happy to find clients that are that appreciate that quality and they they require that quality. Um, and I would rather have fewer clients like that, but help them all the way in and see them success and grow with us than having, you know, multiple, multiple ones that struggle and they're not a good fit. And look, it's like, it's like a happy marriage. It has to be, it has to, work has to happen from both sides to, to make it successful. It's not like one client comes in and says, you do everything because I, you know, I pay you money and um, you do all the stuff, it's, it's a marriage because we both need to be successful. And uh, we, we want to make sure our clients want us to be successful too. Um, so it's, we have more resources to help them back. Um, and at some point of career, I've learned a, a very uh, important lesson is uh, ability to fire clients. And I, I, you know, I had to fire clients. I fired two clients in my uh, career now when things didn't go well and my team would signal me that, hey, Things are now going well. There's red flags all around. And not in terms of money, just in terms of the way they work. Like sometimes it's a personal emotional issues. Sometimes the stakeholders are super emotional and not professional. And they, they get their emotions uh, influence specific communications or decisions or just the way they communicate with our teams. And I don't want my guys to struggle. And uh, I had to fire them, fire a client recent, just recently, actually. Um, and um, you know, it was, it, it, take, it takes time to adjust, but my team was super happy and uh, they, they, they work even harder since then. And uh, they'd rather spend their time helping our existing clients that are happy with our work and they would go all in and help because look, every person wants to be successful. You want to be successful. I want to be successful. I want to have a good feeling that we do something good for somebody else. And if, if somebody is not liking us or is, is not aligned with our values and there is no way we can successfully force the relationship and make like, and, and build it just on, on, on financial terms. Um, it's more about really helping each other and, and, and trusting each other. So I've identified that that really helped and now we're getting better and better at it. So I'd rather not to take a project and say no or refer them somewhere, somewhere else uh, versus taking a toxic project and, and hurting the team. That's awesome. And it's amazing the things that you've learned along the way. And I appreciate you just being so open and so, so candid about some of the things that have gone on in your career. Last question for me as we wrap up. You work in Silicon Valley. You're in the technology space. 15 years ago, 12 years ago even really, the app world was not a huge world. Now, obviously, everyone's got um, an iPhone or an Android phone. Apps are what run our businesses in a lot of ways and run our lives. What's next? What are you seeing you know, in your business as you're looking forward in sort of the technology capital of the world that you need to expand your business to or pivot your business to, to make sure that you don't miss the next wave? Um, great question. So first of all, I'm a true believer that when there's a gold rush, it's better to sell the shovels and, and uh, not to, go and <laughs> to get the gold. So that's where I'm at. I know that software engineers will always be valuable and people will always need a high quality software engineering, no matter what it is, apps or websites or augmented reality, uh, glass, smart glasses or AI. It is all built on top of code. Uh, we, we do work on our own product. So our goal is to, by, by the end of this year, is to launch our own product and uh, kind of expand into the product space because I, I truly believe that a consultancy company has to have their own products 
just to know what it is to build your own product. And uh, when companies come in, sometimes they're, they're, they're very pleased with the fact that we have our own products, that we're, we know how to do that for ourselves and definitely we would know how to do it for our clients. Um, the next big thing that I see is uh, AI and machine learning. So uh, that, that, that's already here. A lot of people don't realize it uh, with all the smart suggestions and, and analytics. Um, that's great. It's going to have a tremendous impact on our lives. Um, audio is, is definitely a big thing and it's coming. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to hit next, um, quite soon, um, with audio content and listening to a lot of uh, smart audio content where curated audio content, uh, specifically created for, um, for a listener. And, uh, I hope that Apple is going to come out with their augmented reality glasses pretty soon. Cause I, I've seen patents and there's been some rumors around, um, and we are expecting something in 2021. Um, or 2022 uh, coming out of Apple's factory um, around that and see if it works. Um, so far, there has not been successful products in augmented reality space. And hopefully Apple, Apple is known for launching high quality successful pro products and hopefully they'll be able to turn that space around. But I'm not, I don't think we're going to ditch our phones anytime soon. Um, it's still going to be an accessory. We might start using it less because we'll have audio content and some augmented reality content, uh, but uh, we'll still be using our phones for quite some time. Well, appreciate that. Sounds like uh, you're, you're in a good spot and you've got your finger on the pulse, obviously, of what's going on. Alex, I appreciate your time today. Appreciate you sharing uh, a little bit of your story with the audience. Well, absolutely. It was uh, great. That uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Look forward to having you on the next one. Thanks. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.